1: This is the Decibel
0: Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. If you thought we were gone, you got another thing coming, because we're back. It's the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my leather-studded-wearing friend, Chris Sinzak. What's going on, man?
2: How'd you know what I was wearing?
0: I just I assumed. Yeah, well, you, you... You assume correct. (laughs) Well, that is very, very appropriate considering what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about Judas Priest in the 80s, the best and the worst. We've done this before with this band in the 70s with our good friend Julian Gill, and that turned out awesome. So we decided to bring another friend along for the ride with us, somebody that knows and loves 80s Judas Priest to go on this adventure with us as we discuss everything the good the bad the ugly everything judas priest in the 1980s are you excited about this i know you must be
2: yeah i mean i've been looking forward to doing this i love doing these best and worst shows because it's always interesting to see what uh you know where we where we align and where we differ and then uh Julian was great in the 70s version, and uh, bringing another podcaster that, that hasn't been on the show before, Mark Striegel, longtime host of Talking Metal, so that should be fun.
0: Yeah, super cool dude, and like I said, a big fan of the 80s Judas Priest, so he's going to be the perfect guy to go on this adventure with us. But before we get to all that, you know us. we got to take care of the business, and when the business is good, we're excited about it. And I can tell you, it's real good right now, because I'm staring down two, counting them, two... Five-star Apple Podcast Reviews. Oh, yeah. I love this. First one, like I said, five stars. It's entitled Best Rock Podcast, period. You know this is going to be good. And it goes a little something like this. I know rock is not the biggest thing these days, but in my humble opinion, it's the greatest music ever made. With that said, Aaron and Chris do a great job every episode. Deep dives that I've never heard of, and I end up in metal rabbit holes. And great interviews and content. Give it a listen, and you won't be disappointed. Unless you hate Kiss. Then you might have issues. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Uh, A review, a recommendation, and a warning all in one. (laughs) Right. I like that. (laughs) That one comes to us from Running In Time via Apple Podcasts right here in the good old USA. But that's not all. Oh, no, because I've got another one right here. This is great, too. Five stars. It's called New Rock. Today's podcast was great. Heard all new music that is not heard on the radio. I listen while I work. I live in Utah. I live alone and work from home. So I like having voices and music playing. You two are so much fun to listen to. I'd like to introduce you to a band I heard a few years ago while I was on vacation in California. We went to check out the Whiskey A Go Go and heard this band from Baltimore. I now follow them on Facebook, American Jet Set. So there you go. A review, a recommendation, and a rock and roll recommendation for the band American Jet Set. That one comes to us from Birdie31 via Apple Podcasts, again, right here in the good old USA. We love those so much. If you guys want to leave us a review or a recommendation, there's several ways to do it. You can leave us one just like these fine folks did on Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a review on Podchaser, which is a badass website that you can get down and dirty down to the absolute episode. You can say, man, I loved when they talked about judas priest in the 80s and leave a review based on individual episodes or the funnest and easiest probably way the facebook recommendation those are simple easy to do and we love and appreciate them very much what did you think of those man
2: great reviews and uh, I'll, i'll definitely check out american jet set i haven't heard of that band
0: No, me neither. See, I love that. Just like last week when we turned everybody on to new rock and roll, that's how it works. You guys do the same for us. And we had some awesome feedback on that episode. Everybody seemed to really dig it a lot. We had fun bringing the music back to the show, playing stuff we weren't going to get in trouble for. And we got a lot of great response. Mighty K said, first song they played had me thinking about Ron Runyon and all the people we lost this crazy year. She wasn't done with the episode, but she says clearly it's another hit. All Them Always Are. They're giving a lot of music to love in this episode. See for Yourself, I Dare You. And then she finished the episode and came back and said, I liked every damn one of these songs. (laughs) I was already into Resist and Bite, of course, but the other bands are awesome, and I totally have faith in both of your opinions on the music we might like also. You two haven't let me down yet in music or podcast episodes. That's why we love Mighty K, because she's always involved in the conversation on our Facebook page, in the Decibel Geek community. She's one of our most awesome friends. She's a true rock and roll chick. And we love her and we respect her. And we appreciate all the comments that you guys leave after we do one of these episodes. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys think about the best and worst of 80s Priest.
2: Yeah, I think uh, we're gonna have some very interesting feedback on this, and I want to we want to hear your best and worst of each of these albums too. But yeah, I love Mighty K; she's the best, and we love it when you guys respond to the episodes and tell us what you think because that, that makes it a lot more fun for us to hear your feedback and what you suggest and stuff like that. So we're uh, we're all a family, and we appreciate every one of you.
0: Heck yeah! And the people we appreciate the most. Well, those are the people that take each episode when it comes out. We either tag it on our main page on Facebook or you find it on Twitter. You retweet it. You share it. And when you do that off those original posts, your name gets put on a list of prestige and honor. That's right. I'm talking about Geeks of the Week.
2: Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rockin' Ron Runyon, Rick Holguin, John Verno, Simon Katz, Sons of Kong. That's cool. Always great when the band's... You know, share it. Yeah. Matt Ashcraft, Pantheon Podcast, Passion Rocks, Nathan Utz, singer for Resist and Bite, Rachel Hans, Utz, Aaron Baker, Thor Bjorn Olsen, Kevin Williams, Brian Harris, Shane Aber, Jim Woodworth, the Sonic Overlord shared nice. it. Thank you, guys. Jay Shabluski, Shay Hargett, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Mike Parnell, David Parks from Resist and Bite. Thank you. Sit and Spin with Joe, Metal Rock, Hammer Down Hard shared it. See, these band, that's great when bands appreciate getting played. So, Jeff Taylor.
0: See, we're doing it right then. Radio sucks, radio show lives. Yep.
2: Jeff Taylor, Keith Rockford, Doug Fox, The Plug Podcast, J.J. McElhenny, Lil Willie A to Z, Ernesto Aguiar, Kevin's on Fire, Eladio, Alan Deshawn, Hakon Bergstad, Grayson Gallegos, M.J. Condoleon, Vet Halen, James Nicholson, Kristen Schembeck, David Cathy, Scott Crouch, and as always,
0: The, the Mooger, Mooger Fooger. Fooger. That's right, those are our people, the Geeks of the Week. They took last week's episode because they loved it and enjoyed hearing the new music. The bands enjoyed to know that there's people out there that care about them. We showed it, we proved it, and those are our Geeks of the Week. You can become a Geek of the Week next week by sharing this week's episode, the best and worst of Judas Priest in the 80s. So, you ready to rock and roll?
2: Yeah, let's do it. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to welcome our guest, Mark Striegel. And I, we're, we're, you know, we're kind of getting back into the swing of things after Rock and Pod and everything. We've had a kind of challenging couple of months, but one thing we would, had talked about recently was like, let's have some podcasters on that we've never had on before. And they're like, I can't believe you've never been on Decibel Geek before in all the years I've known you, but that's true, isn't it? I I think so, yeah. I was,
1: it's actually funny you mentioned that because I was thinking back, have I been on their show before? And I, I was thinking no, but wasn't 100% sure. So I, if you tell me no, I
0: I believe you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I I've been on your show a couple of times, but I it's like, well, how we how we never had Mark Striegel on the show? That's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, we were talking about it, and we said, okay, we're going to do this special priest thing. Let's find somebody who really likes <clears throat> '80s style Judas Priest and talk to them, and then you know the usual suspects come up. Well, how about this guy? We like him. How about that guy? We like him. It's like, man, we've had these guys on the show before. Let's find somebody we haven't had before. And then when Chris said Mark Striegel, I was like, yeah, of course. How how can it be this long that it's not happened? But today is the day. Right on.
1: Cool. Well, 80s Priest is is definitely my era of the band. You know, I, I love Sad Wings of Destiny. It's definitely one of my favorite Priest records. But it's those 80s records, you know, along with that one that are just my favorites.
2: Yeah, and as we're gonna do this, it's um it's interesting. We we the, we did the '70s version of Priest with Julian Gill, and that was a fun episode. Yeah. And it's just uh, the whole best and worst idea. It, it always elicits conversation, which is what we all go for as podcasters. So it's like I'm sure people are gonna ha- are gonna agree or disagree with us heavily on on our picks on this, and maybe even between ourselves. Um, I'm sure the '80s Priest thing is kind of where people say they they finally got a hold of their sound. Uh to me I think uh, you know I I tend to really lean more t- towards the 70s stuff yeah. but I uh, I do love the 80s stuff how can you not um but yeah it was interesting I I I spent this past week just going through the 80s catalog again cuz some of these records I hadn't re- revisited in quite a while and um I uh I'm a uh, you know we'll we'll get to ram it down but ooh but yeah we'll get to that one in a little while but it's it's interesting when you if you start at British Steel and then you go through Ram It Down, it's like a lot of differences in uh, their sound over those years.
0: Yeah, for sure. I did the same thing. You know, I'm a 70s priest guy. I'm constantly jamming on those first few albums. You know, I love that old stuff. But I really, you know, I grew up in the 80s and Turbo was my true introduction into the band. And so... I, but I'm a 70s guy. I love that stuff. So I did the same thing. I pulled out all the old CDs. And I've been jamming on them all week long. There's some gems in this stuff, some really, really great music.
1: So I guess we'll start with British Steel and go through Ram It Down, right?
2: Yep.
0: Cool.
1: Yeah.
2: So, so British Steel, um, it was their sixth studio album, released April 14th on uh, Columbia Records. First album to feature Dave Holland on drums, produced by Tom Allen, which will be a name you'll hear throughout this whole episode because he did most of this stuff. Interesting factoid, recorded at Tittenhurst Park, which was at the time the home of Ringo Starr. Um, if you haven't seen the classic albums thing on uh, from VH1 on this album, it's worth worth your time. Um, to me, very hard to, to pick a favorite on this one, as I like all, pretty much all the songs on this right. record. Um, I, it's one that I hadn't gone back to a lot, um, until this past week. And I was like, wow, I kind of forgot how many great songs are on this record to pick a best. And this will probably be the only time I pick one that's like, was like the big single, but I think breaking the law is just one of the best rock songs ever written and it's overplayed, but it's one of those that if, if I ever hear it on the radio, I never turn it off. It's just always a great song to listen to. And for me, the worst I'm not a fan of the chorus, but I do like the rest of the song. I would have to go with United.
0: Wow, that's exactly how I picked it too. I mean, Breaking the Law—that's an A-plus song, man. If you listen to it, like you said, you know it's it's kind of overplayed as far as Priest goes. It's one of the few songs you might hear out in the world somewhere of Judas Priest, but man, it's a perfect metal song. Everything about it, you know, from Rob Helford's snarling. And you know, the guitars groaning as it goes into the breakdown with the sirens going off into the riffs and the drums and it all comes back. I mean, and the music video. Who else robs a bank with guitars? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Right. It's breaking the law, A plus all the way.
1: You don't know why. Yeah, and I, I guess so. How will we do? Will Aaron? Will you then reveal your your least favorite? Did we, you know, do that in one, one I shot? I went each? down
0: for myself. I went down the list. I can put them in order for you, but for me, I agree with Chris. And I love the funky bass, and it's got a great riff. But the chorus always hits me funny. United. But this week, as I've been listening to that and jamming on these songs, United's kind of grown on me a little bit. You know, I can definitely see it in like a live sing it back to me kind of situation as being a great song. Right on.
1: Yeah, I mean, this record to me is so amazing. I will give a big shout out to uh, Hellbent for Leather or Killing Machine, whatever you want to call it. Um, That record was a big record for me too and definitely one of my favorite Priest records. But I mean, this, this record, I feel like Dave Holland you know and and you can say what you want about him obviously he's he's passed on and there were some scandals with him that were you know sort of disturbing whether they were true or not we don't know but you know this he brought he was like the Charlie Watts of of metal in, in a way you know he he simplified things and i really think that his influence on priest in the 80s is Big and a lot of times uh, not appreciated or spoken about as much as it should be because you know "Living After Midnight." That 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 drum beat at the beginning, so simple, but yet so good, and just pulls you in before the guitars even start. In, in my opinion, I mean, this this album to me, I, picking a bad song off of this record is impossible for me. Picking a least favorite is also nearly impossible. You know, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll say that my least favorite probably is Steeler. And know United and Steeler, they're they're pretty close. But I still right. love both of those songs. You know, but as far as a favorite, man, I mean, you don't have to be old to be wise. Is just incredible. I love Breaking the Law and and Rapid Fire and Metal Gods. But I guess and I, you know, it, it's so overplayed, and it would probably be. You know, nowadays, if I put the record on, I might even skip over it. But when I look at my life and how this song affected me and what it means to me and how every time I see them to this day in concert, when they play it, I just smile from, you know, ear to ear is, is living after midnight. So I, I just think it's a, a rock classic for sure, but not a bad song on this record for me. I, I love this record and think that it it simplified their sound coming out of the 70s You know, Hellbent for Leather almost to me had at times a funk groove here and there, which I love. But there was something that was just more straight ahead, more just right down the barrel in your face with this record. And it marked a, a new era for the band and love this record from start to finish.
0: Yeah, the whole thing is good. It's a perfect album, really. I mean, if you're saying the worst song. It's still awesome, you know.
1: <laughs>
2: right, right, exactly. <laughs> like
0: exactly. the worst song on British Steel is better than most songs by most other bands.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, and I know Priest is like heavily influential over metal and thrash and everything that came through in the '80s. But you can't overlook that I can hear definite influences over what you would, I guess, you would term as glam rock or hair metal in some of this stuff from their '80s output, like Grinder and the Ray, not Grinder, Grinder, and You Don't Have to Be Able to Be Wise. I mean, I can hear like Motley Crue influence on those oh, yeah. songs. Yeah. I, I mean, mean
1: Stephen Piercy has said they were a tremendous influence on on rat. You know, I I've never I don't know if I've ever heard Nikki Six cite them as an influence, but I know for sure Stephen Piercy has.
0: Yeah. And when you're talking about Thrash, I mean you know Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer and bands like that are listening to these songs go and they're picking up something too. That's why I love the there's a difference in this. And then like living after midnight. To me, that song always seemed real AC Priesty. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure, <laughs> absolutely.
0: But I got to give a shout out to the Rage. I think that Rage is number two with me. If you didn't, if Breaking the Law wasn't an A plus rock song in all times, Rage is awesome to me. I mean, the B- Ian Hill bass intro on that. Yeah, and epic. I mean every song here. I say it about it, you know, and Hellford freaking whales on it. But the Rage kind of is a throwback to. Maybe something off of like an earlier album, I think.
2: I was going to say the same
0: thing. Yep. And I like that a lot.
2: Let's move into 1981. Point of entry released on February 26th, also produced by Tom Allen and the band recorded at Ibiza Studios in Spain. Um, It's weird for Priest's 80s output. For some reason, I go back to this one more than most of the rest of the catalog. And it's... Not that it's the greatest album in the catalog. I mean, British Steel. I think pound for pound is a way better record as far as material goes. But for some reason, Point of Entry is just really enjoyable for me to listen to. And um, you know, three. The one thing I have an issue with is like they released three singles from the album, Heading Out to the Highway. No problem with that. But don't go and Hot Rocking being released as singles. I I totally would have picked other songs for that. Um, Especially don't go. I really don't care much for that song. If I got to pick a best on this one, I would pick Desert Plains. I li- that's one, like one of the best driving songs that you can ever yes, find. And, so good. Uh, worst for me um, is you say yes. I I just I don't need to hear Judas Priest doing like a barroom boogie type of song, and that's what that comes <laughs> off as to me.
0: Well, Chris, my friend, you and I are on the same wavelength once again. Yeah. Because to me, I think Desert Plains is another one of those kind of 70s throwback songs. It sounds like it would fit earlier in their career, and I love that stuff. The drums on it are just killer. You know, you talk about, if you talk about the drummer, you say, well, he's kind of the Charlie Watson metal, but there's moments where this guy is doing some pretty crazy, amazing stuff. And the shit he's playing on the drums on Desert Plains blows my mind, and the groove of the song is so
1: badass.
0: One for me. And like I said, I agree with You Say Yes being the worst one. It sounds like, to me, like Steve Miller wrote a Judas Priest song. or wrote a song for <laughs> Judas Priest. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. Right on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have a, a three-way Desert Plains uh, celebration here for the number one song, because nice. I'm with you on that, guys. Nice. Uh, I mean, nice, you know, nice. heading out to the highway, the lead-off cut is just so powerful and so great, but I don't know. That's that's always been my favorite track. Desert Plains off the record. I I think this record for me it's weird because when I bought it as a, a teenager, you know, I went backwards a, a little bit. I think I got into Priest with Screaming for Vengeance, and then I went back and started getting the the albums previous to that. But I always listened to side one, and as a kid, I rarely turned it over to side two. You know, so I I didn't spend nearly the amount of time on side two as I did side one which is interesting because even to this day when i listen to side two i yeah it doesn't quite grab me the way that side one it does which i think is just so powerful i love side one of this record and uh i guess for worse for me it would be solar angels uh you say yes i don't know i don't hate it quite that much um i actually there's actually on a side note Jason McMaster's, uh, is it master McMaster McMaster, right? He mm-hmm. of dangerous toys just did a, a cover of, of that. And it's, it's worth a listen. It, it's uh it's good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's with Cassius King is the band, but yeah, man. So I'm going to go with my least favorite being solar, Angels. Song. Oh, man, I
0: like that
2: song. I And they yeah. they, they did...
0: There's a lot of weird sound effects on yeah, that. Yeah,
2: but I've always liked it. And they actually, when I saw them last time, I saw them live a couple of years ago, they broke that one out live, which I wasn't expecting. But no, I, I've always dug that one. Turning Circles is another favorite on this one, too.
0: No, that's a great one, Chris. Yeah, it is a great one. The funny thing to me about Turning Circles is that the guitar intro, if you didn't know it was a pre-song, by that intro, you'd think it was the Rolling Stones or something. <laughs> I right. can hear that. But man, hell for whales on that one too. And that song even Oh, it almost has like a little bit of a new wave kind of a thing going on in it with the way the drums are.
2: Yeah, well they I know that KK's talked in interviews about saying that this was kind of the album where the the record company, they kind of folded to the record company on trying to get a hit. So it's definitely got that more commercial vibe to it, so I can, you know. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I always like when bands stretch outside their comfort zone. When it's except when it's music from the Elder, but that's another story. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, I like it when they stretch and try to do different things like that. And I'm also I'm a fan of melody and hooks, so if it's more poppy, I'm usually all about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's uh, some definitely some cool stuff on here. Maybe not as strong as British Steel, but I mean. You know, talk about 1981, it was tough to be a band. I mean, you had to look cool, you had to sound good, and it also helped if you were a good dancer. On the Head notes Out to the Highway video, Rob Helford's actually a pretty damn good dancer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, let's not talk about the Hot Rockin' video, though. <laughs> Don't Go the, is another really great Yeah, thing. Don't Go is a yeah.
0: really weird video.
2: Yeah, don't don't care for that song. Never have.
0: That's What's just, the other yeah, one? Like they're in the song. gym working out.
2: Oh well, yeah, Hot Rock and they're they're yeah, like yeah, in the sauna. <laughs> it's like that. It's a little too on the nose talking about Hot and Hey, we're in the sauna. You know, hot water and rocks. You know.
0: Yeah. This <laughs> right. is a band in the '80s that definitely had some kind of you know clash going on within them because on one side, you know, you want to stay true. To the metal fans you know and throughout these songs no matter how poppy they are they all still have some good rock and guitar in them and on the other hand you're searching for that elusive big hit song you know and you got a taste of it a little bit before but you're really looking to you know launch yourself to being one of the top bands in the world and that's always been really hard for priest because they're always getting pulled in those two directions
2: yeah, I would agree with that. It, 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 and you know and and that would that would happen, you know, even more as we get nor- towards the end of the decade where they really yeah. change things up. But uh let's go to 1982, Screaming for vengeance released in July of that year. Uh this one and this was uh, I guess like Mark, this was kind of my introduction to the band uh because the, they would MTV really loved to play you've got another thing coming. <laughs> or that video back in the 80s was on constantly uh and then when i was really getting into head headbangers ball it was it was guaranteed it would get played every time and uh so that that song kind of piqued my interest and i I remember it was like the first cd that i bought with my own money was screaming for vengeance nice wow. um of course you know hearing you know the hellion going into electric eye you know i was like oh my god this is amazing and um, and they, I think with this record, they finally achieved really the perfect guitar sound that I think they had been going for all along. Uh, I think a lot of the previous albums, the guitar sound was a little thin compared to what came out on this. Like, I mean, imagine hearing The Ripper with this production. It would have sounded humongous. Um, but uh, yeah, it's this album is loaded with good songs. So picking a favorite was really hard. And this is one, you know, and with Judas Priest, you know, your your favorite could change by the week. Uh, So if I'm picking right now, my favorite on the album is Devil's Child. I think it's just an incredible riff. The singing's amazing. I can't, it's weird that it closes the record because it's my favorite song on the record. But I I mean, I could pick Electric Eye because that's such a classic song. But I'll go with the Devil's Child. I'll go with Devil's Child and... I, my worst, I guess? This is like British Steel. It's hard to pick a f- least favorite because they're all really good. Uh, I guess I would go with Fever because the chorus is a little iffy, but um, otherwise, it's a great song, so th- that would be my choice.
0: Hmm. All right, so we're going to differ a little bit here. I'm definitely going with the Hellion Electric Eye is the best song, A+. plus. I kind of battled between that and Screaming for Vengeance title track. I mean... What you say about the guitars and the production rings true with that song because like on on like the last two albums we talked about, there's some songs on there that definitely have like a thrash metal flavor to them, but the production kind of weakens the guitars where it's like, oh, this would be like a perfect Metallica riff or something Metallica would be influenced by, but then they take it to that next level. On this album, everything sounds so good, so crisp and clean and heavy. I love it. So many great songs on here. I guess for me, the one I like the least is probably take these chains. Cause I'm not a real big fan of the ballad on the album.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, this, this record was just such an important, like game changer for me. I I was, you know, we didn't have MTV yet. It was probably, you know, 1982, maybe almost 1983. I was just becoming a teenager, just turning 13. And I remember I heard, uh, you know another thing coming. You've got another thing coming on the radio, and just could not believe the song immediately got the record and was just completely blown away by this song screaming for vengeance. I had never heard anything quite that chaotic. I mean, I was listening to you know the first two Aussie records at that point, and definitely like zeppelin and acdc and and skinnerd and april wine i was really into and of course i had was kind of coming out of my first kiss phase before i got into my second kiss phase but so i'd heard i'd heard loud and heavy stuff but the song screaming for vengeance just i was like oh my god this is next level shit here you know and man so many great songs yeah just like just like you know, so many albums. It's really hard to pick a uh, a least favorite. Yeah. Oh man, I guess I'm gonna go with Bloodstone wow. as my favorite. My favorite. Okay. My favorite. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, that's that is my favorite. I'm gonna go with Bloodstone as my favorite because I something about that hook to this day. I just love hearing that song. My least favorite? Yeah, I guess I got to go with Fever. What was that? Aaron, you said Fever, or was that you, Chris? I, I can't I remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm I, going to, but there's something about that song I love. Oh, like, it's, it's still just, great. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a great tune, so it, it's hard for me to, to say Fever. I mean, take these chains too, but I, I could say maybe that's my least favorite, but I was just listening to it, and I was like, I love this song. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Fever. I'm going to go with Fever. Yeah, it's my least
0: favorite. I had fever in the second last spot on my list. And like you said, you know, even the song I said I didn't like or the one I liked the least, it's still on my iPod. You know, yeah. there's nothing on these albums, even the worst song on all these. It's probably still on my iPod. <laughs> wow.
1: Cool. You're still uh, doing an iPod.
0: Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> cool. Curated I like that, myself. Yeah. Nice.
2: Oh, yeah. he The amount of time and work that Aaron puts into what's <laughs> on his iPod is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, I got some kind of OCD, but it's the good kind.
2: Well, and I got you. Uh, you know, you mentioned Bloodstone, another great driving song. <laughs> I yeah. love that one yeah. too. And then Riding on the Wind. I mean, the the drum intro to that oh, is pretty yeah. amazing too. Just uh, yeah, Dave Holland. I mean, regard regardless of outside, you know, scandal and whatever, great fit for the drummer for this band. And although you know, if you ever watch the US Festival footage, it's just like I've never seen somebody that's a great drummer that looks so uncomfortable drumming. Okay, <laughs>
1: right. Like, yeah. watch that yeah.
2: footage. He looks. It looks like a math teacher got up on the drums, and he looks so uncomfortable.
1: Right. He always kind of had that like bull haircut, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I forget
0: it's which like, video it was. I was watching. It's like all the guys are in leather, and he's got like a suit jacket and a tie. <laughs> <laughs> right,
2: right. I was like, hey, my dad can play the drums. Let him get up. There. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, now this album. I mean, th- it's hard to pick a least favorite, but uh, yeah, amazing. Record in it and it's aged well too. It still sounds fresh today. So now we go to Defenders of the Faith, which uh comes out January of 84. It's interesting on this record because, you know, Screaming for Vengeance comes out. You got another thing coming, a heavy song, but still does have a commercial lean to it. And so it's like they're still kind of trying to play the game and get some, you know, commercial success. But Defenders of the Faith comes out, and uh, not a lot of commercial sound on this one, which i it's almost like they just kind of gave a middle finger to the record companies. Like, all right, we're just going to go ahead and do what we want to do. Yeah. Um, this album's a little polarizing for some people, but uh, I really like this album, and, and I really always have. The only thing I have a complaint about with this record is they start moving a little too hard into technology with this one. So, yeah. The drums have this really odd processed sound to it. it. It's definitely like I said, "Scream for Vengeance has aged well, but this one has a bit of a you know dated sound to it when you listen back to it. But uh, right. I, uh, but so many amazing songs on here. I mean, I love Jawbreaker, I love The Sentinel, I love Love Bites. Uh, uh, Some heads are gonna roll is a cool song. Um, although I think Night Comes Down sounds like a Dawkins song to me. It's uh, it's a little different for them. But uh, if I have to pick a best on this one, um, I gotta go with the title track "Free Will Burning." It's one of like the best album openers I think I've ever heard. Worst, uh, I would. This one was a little easier to pick. "Heavy Duty." I don't care much for that song. It's just not not for me.
0: You and I are back on the same page then, because I got the same. You know, "Free Will Burning." A It's everything I love about Judas Priest, all wrapped up into one song. and you know there's there's other stuff on here i mean eat me alive that's this is another example here too where the the production isn't as strong on the guitars but a song like that's got like real thrash metal potential to it but it's kind of you know it's kind of weak in the punch of it all but the solos are ripping on that uh, it was number 3 in the filthy 15 that's got to get you some points it is a pretty filthy song <laughs> Definitely wouldn't fly today. Jawbreaker's jamming. It's got one of my favorite Judas Priest guitar solos in it is Jawbreaker. Sentinel kind of reminds me of like a a Judas Priest kind of doing some Iron Maiden-ish kind of stuff. Yeah, I can hear that. And then, like you said about it being very synthy it's like the Michael Jackson thriller-esque intro on Love Bites. You think you're getting one thing and you're getting something else. Yeah, Worst Song, it's got to be Heavy Duty and... Yeah, you could do a mashup with uh, the stroke on it, <laughs> and that's not good. Some heads are going to roll. I don't know, a lot of sound vocal effects on that, and it kind of reminds me like Judas Priest doing Twisted Sister a little bit.
2: Great chorus on that one, though.
0: The whole thing's good. Yeah, those are my picks.
1: I think that's the one song they didn't write on the record. I believe there was an outside yeah, writer for that. That right? makes
0: sense. Yeah,
2: Bob Halligan Jr., who also wrote Take These Chains.
1: Yeah, for me, I mean, this record, again, one of my favorite Priest records, just hearing Freewheel Burning for the first time, just it was almost thrash, you know? It was just so, so intense. And and I remember when I heard Love Bites for the first time, I didn't know what to make of it. I, I was a little weirded out by it. I was like, I don't know, like, what are they doing here? Are they, like, going, like like new wave or something because there was there was it had a different feel it was this like tribal drum thing and it was just weird for priest it was new territory for priest i eventually came to love that song but i I, again this is another one very hard for me to pick a, a least favorite so let me go with a favorite first rock hard ride free my favorite uh such a big course to me classic pre sound i feel like this song could have been on really any priest record almost it's just just an amazing tune and uh for the least favorite i'll go with night comes comes down It's just slightly boring compared to the rest of the record for me personally uh, but yeah yet i still love this love the tune love all these songs and definitely a really important record for me I, I love this the song. Some heads are gonna roll too. It's so great, so powerful, um, and it, it was a first promo record I ever got. My friend was in the radio club. We had our own FM radio station at my high school, and and he was in in the radio club, and he would have me as the guest host DJ join him, and and he had just gotten an advanced copy of the. The album on vinyl sent to the school by the record company, which is crazy if you think of it. And he just gave it to me, Uh, and then it was my (laughs) my first promo copy. So I believe I had it slightly before it was even released because they had they had sent it out in advance of the release. So uh, it was always uh, a fun memory getting that and being able to hear it before most people. So
2: great record though. That's cool. So, so not only are you one of the first podcasters, you go all the way back to the eighties doing radio. That was my, I, I believe I was a freshman
1: in high school, and yeah, I, I would join him in the studio, not on every show, he had like a Wednesday night show or something, and I would join him in the studio, but I, I was never able to get in the radio club, because it was such a tight knit, and then they closed the station my sophomore year, so I, it was like shut for junior and senior year, so. I always feel like maybe I could have gotten in if they would have stayed open longer, but I, uh, yeah, they shut it down. Oh man. but well, yeah. What, what, what
2: a cool s- school to have something like that. That must've been a fun.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was. Absolutely.
2: All right. So, uh, let's get, uh, controversial. <laughs> let's go to <laughs> na- 1986, uh, turbo comes out. Probably one of the most polarizing records in this band's history for sure. Even to this day, oh, yeah. um, and uh, released in April of that year, uh, recorded in the Bahamas, uh, which is interesting. It's weird, though, that like this album... Which is
1: where Maiden recorded Peace of Mind, I think, in the Bahamas, too. Yeah,
2: probably the same studio it's called uh, Compass Point. And, um, yeah. th- you know, this album gets panned by a lot of, you know, purist, priest fans, but uh, it was, like, their biggest commercial success at the time. It uh, went gold in two months and platinum in four, and it was their highest charting album until angel of retribution came out in 2005. So it, it did have a lot of success. Um, for me, I, I'm, I'm not a, you know, and I, I really didn't like this album years ago when I first, you know, listened to it, but, um, it's really grown on me over the years and, and I'm not a fan of synthesizers in the least, but I think they used it about as well as a rock band can use it. Um, on like the intro to private property. And I think on out in the cold, I think, those are, I think it's used to the right point. Um, and I get it though if you're coming from, you know, loving British Steel and then you hear this, you're like, what the hell's going on? But yeah, I don't know. I think the songwriting on this record's pretty strong. I I think there's a lot of good tunes on here, and I get why why they were trying to do what they were doing. Although it's interesting the whole Twin Turbos idea because they were gonna have it be a two album set with you know these songs and then harder songs on the second side, which those song a lot of those songs. Wound up being on Ram It Down, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, it's I I don't have a problem with this album these days. I actually like it quite a bit. My for my favorite, um, I would go without in the cold. I just love that song. I think it's amazing. And yeah, it's definitely a mid tempo straight ahead rock and roll song. It's not metal, but I love the song. I love the lyrics. I love the melody. For worst, uh, Rock You All Around the World. Not a fan of that song. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people give uh, parental guidance a lot of shit, but thanks to my co-host Aaron Camaro, I've seen the light on how cool that song is, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure he'll talk about in a minute. But uh, yeah, right. On. Uh, yeah, but Rock You All Around the World, uh, a little too, too far into Cheeseville for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, this was the very first Priest I ever heard. I had a friend in school that had it on cassette tape, and... I listened to it, and you know, Priest had been around that I knew of forever. But I was a little Kiss fan, you know. And you, when you're a little Kiss fan, that's all you like until a certain point, and then you start learning about other bands and stuff. And Priest was one. There was this one kid; he was older and he was weird, kind of a I don't know, rough kid, kind of strange. Loved Judas Priest, and because I thought that kid was so weird. I didn't want nothing to do with them for the longest time. So fast forward all these years later, I'm in high school and my buddy gives me this tape and I take it home. And we're trading set tapes, and first thing I hear is Turbo Lover, and I go, "Man, this is pretty damn cool." You know, maybe I should have been listening to Priest all along. And go through the album, and you know, now eh, it doesn't strike me quite as much. You know, like I said, I, I then you know, like like Mark, you know, you you jump on at a certain point. And then you start working your way backwards, you know, and learning about all that you've missed all these years. And so I'm even further up in the line than either one of you guys. So I got a whole lot to discover. So I land in the 70s for the stuff I love the most. So when I go back to 86 on this with all the keyboards and, you know, to me out in the cold, I put that on like towards the bottom of the list of my favorites because a lot of these songs to me sound like them trying to be Something else, you know, that reminds me of a white snake song, you know, Mm -hmm. but done priest style wild nights, hot, crazy days. That reminds me of a YNT song, but done by Judas Priest parental guidance. That's like twisted sister all day long. But when I was a kid and you hear that stuff and you're at that rebellious age, it really resonates with you. And I was like, this is amazing. Now I go back and some of it's kind of cheesy But in a cool way, like private property, to me, it's it's cliche. The lyrics are funny. They're silly, but it's really a good song. You know, man, to me, it maybe be a tie for number one between the title track. But I really like Reckless. Reckless to me sounds like an old school song. It's got an amazing killer solo in it. Least favorite on here is probably Hot for Love. Just too much weird sound effects And shit in it It's just too weird for me That being said All these songs are on my iPod <laughs> <laughs> Right on
1: Nice shout out to Reckless Aaron That is such a great Underrated Judas Priest song Closing the record I believe yeah. Right. Yep. I mean just such a great Great freaking tune Love that tune And when I go to this record nowadays That's usually one of my go-to tunes I love this record so much and hate that there are certain meatheads, I'll call them that, that, that just tend to put this record down because why? Because they glammed it out ever so slightly. I mean, it wasn't like they were poison when this record came out, you know, but they, they definitely took the fashion a little bit in a different direction. Rob, I've interviewed Rob, I've interviewed Ian, I've interviewed KK, I've interviewed glenn i believe i've asked all three about this record and i've heard no apologies on this record i actually glenn tipton told me it was a great record kk downing said the same thing rob said he enjoyed the record he told me something about maybe the lyrics weren't what they should have been but um yeah man i i I think all these songs are, are just really powerful to me again the first time i ever saw them in concert i don't know if I already said this, was on this, this tour docking, opening up at the Rosemont horizon, just such great memories. And all that plays into my love of the record. And I will defend this record to anyone who's like, Oh, that's where, you know, priest wimped out. I, this is priest firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Did they go a little more poppy? Did they take a look at what was going on, you know, in hollywood and on mtv and maybe take a step in that direction yeah sure why not Brees has been a band that's always evolved musically and has always gone different places i mean there's songs that sound like they're progressive back in the 70s you know and and this this was them going in a, a different musical direction like a lot of great musical artists do whether it's the beatles or you know prince or they go they go different places musically and that's what Priest did. Other bands don't. They do the same thing over and over again, and that's cool, too. You know, Motorhead, ACDC, you know, always did a a kind of a similar vibe from record to record. But, you know, Priest wasn't that. And I love where they went with this record. Reckless, great song. I guess my favorite tune is the number 1 or number 2 single off the of the record locked in. I yeah. think this is such a great song. It was it was massive where I lived in the Chicago suburbs. It was on Friday Night Videos. It was sneaking on the radio, which Priest didn't do that much in FM rock in, in the Chicago area. But it was sneaking on the radio and it was, you know, I heard girls at my school talking about this song, which they never did bef- talk about Priest before that. And I, I'm, I'm shocked they don't bring this back into the set list because I think there's a lot of people out there that would like to hear Locked In again. I think it was a really big song for them. This is a great record. I'm glad Turbo Lover is still in the set list. Uh, love so many songs off this record. So I will go with Locked In as my favorite. And I guess my least favorite, probably, yeah, Hot for Love.
0: You know, Locked In is really a great pop rock song.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were kind of, you know, with Turbo Lover and I mean, you know, they were definitely I almost hear like Billy Idol at times in in Turbo Lover. And, you know, especially the solo. It's like a Steve Stevens rip off of what he did on the song Rebel Yell with that, like a machine gun fire on the guitar. I mean, yeah. Priest Priest just I don't know. they, They rarely do do me wrong. But we haven't gotten to ram it down yet.
2: That's interesting you bring up Billy Idol because honestly they they it sounds like they're going for Billy Idol sound more than they are Poison or bands bands like that on this record.
1: Yeah, and think about how big Billy Idol was at that time. You know, you know Eyes Without a Face and Rebel Yell and all those tunes off off of Rebel Yell. You know, so so good.
0: And if these guys are going to emulate anything, they're not going to pick something off the Sunset Strip. They're going to stick with something fellow British. Yeah. Could be yeah, could well, be. and I got
2: to add. So you saw that you saw this tour with Doc and opening. So I, I am. Um, what are your thoughts on Heavy Metal Parking Lot? Are you a fan?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. I, I like I. You know, I like Heavy Metal Parking Lot. I mean, it's, some people are really crazy about that movie. I, I you yeah. know, was at the Rock and Pod Expo where you did the the reunion, which was great fun to see that. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, great little.
0: Piece of history for sure. Yeah. Heavy metal parking lot. That's yeah. a
2: good snapshot into that time. I would think.
0: Yeah. yeah absolutely. <clears throat> that could have been any one of us back then. Yeah.
2: Where, where was that
1: Chris? That was Landover, uh, land over Maryland. Or oh, Maryland. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The Capitol center. All right. Right on. Yeah. That was a great tour, man. Dock and opening for priest. I had so much fun in, uh, at that tour. I had bought a, a seat and it was like a nosebleed, but then at the last minute I won tickets from a radio station and, uh, those were great seats, right up front. Nice, so much fun. That's
2: yeah. that's cool. You saw him at the Rosemont Horizon. I was actually living in uh, near Chicago at that time. At uh, I was I was about ten years old, so the only thing I saw at the Rosemont Horizon was Ringling Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we're gonna close out the '80s with uh, "Ram It Down," released May of nineteen eighty-eight. Um, this album, and like this was, it was kind of startling going through and you know sampling each album over again and just basically hearing the evolution um, of the sound. I am really not a big fan of this record. I don't think it's aged well. I think the production is really bad. Um, and like I love most Judas Priest stuff, but I'm not even finding, a, to me, a lot of great songs on here. I don't know that they're ruined by the production, but just not one of my favorite records. I rarely ever listen to it. Uh, the guitar sound is really bad. It sounds like they recorded it through a rock man. You remember the rock man from the 80s? Oh, yeah. You know you know what it is, Chris? You're, I mean, you're spot on with this.
1: But for me, it's missing one of the elements that made the 80s priest stuff so great. Dave Holland. He doesn't play on the record. Yeah, it's, like it's a, a drum it's a machine. machine through yeah. the whole
2: thing, right? And, yep,
1: drum machine. And that's the reason he quit the band. He held on through the tour, according to Rob Halford's book. And then... But he was just a grump through the whole tour and, and split afterwards well, because he had been sidelined. They didn't let him play the drums. Why? I have no idea.
2: But it it killed the vibe of the record. Oh, yeah. It's it's way too robotic. And, you know, it's like, well, let's embrace technology to the max. And one song that, that really gets killed by the drum machine is Hard As Iron, because I think that could have been an amazing song. Yeah. It's just there. There's just not a lot of great stuff on this record. And, that, and the one that gets brought up all the time from Ram It Down is the cover of Johnny Be Good, and it's it's not great. I never listened to it, but I mean, you you gotta you gotta understand that that song got became back in vogue with Back to the Future that came out a couple years before. So Chuck, Chuck Berry was kind of popular again among young people. So I get why they did it. And then of course they got used for that anthony michael hall movie which was not great either but um you know this is coming on the heels of turbo and reckless was supposed to be on the top gun soundtrack and priest turned it down because they wouldn't let them put it on their record or they thought the movie was going to flop or something but that that song tends to get all the hate um i'm not going to pick it as my worst because i don't think it's fair to pick the war- my least favorite as a cover so For best, I would pick Blood Red Skies. That's like really one of the only songs on this record I go back to much. But worst, I would have to go with Love Zone because it, it sounds like robotic drumming and them trying to do like a Led Zeppelin type song. And I don't need to hear Priest trying to sound like Led Zeppelin.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. So you guys both think Blood Red Sky is the best? Me, I do.
1: Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to jump ahead of you, Aaron. But yeah, that's my
0: favorite tune off the record too,
1: for sure. I love that song. That's actually... a a real highlight of it. Wow,
0: I had that one listed at dead last. Alfred's awesome man he sings and he wails he sounds so good on that song but it's just a little too hmm, I don't know proggy and synthy for me compared to what I like in my Judas Priest for me my favorite song off of here is Love You to Death because it's got an awesome groove to it and again this is another one that reminds me of something from a foregone era coming back in 86 but yeah, I did not know that about the drums. That that makes a lot of sense to me now when I'm listening to this and why the other five albums hit me a little stronger than this one does. But I mean, a lot of potential on here. Heavy metal is a ripping song. The title track, I mean, you when I first heard that, I was like, wow, you know, Priest is metal. Because you know, all I heard before was Turbo Lover. And then I think Monsters of Rock has got kind of that groove metal thing going on. I like Love Zone. But yeah, I say love, love you to death. My favorite, Blood Red Skies, my least.
1: Yeah, I'm Chris, right with you on Blood Red Skies. I, I think the way they use the drum machine on that song, for whatever reason, works for me. Uh, it, it has like, I don't know, almost, not the song, but the drums have this Sisters of Mercy type of vibe that it, it just seems to work. It seems like they're writing to the drum machine and not trying to make the drum machine sound like a drummer, which I feel like they do on some of the other songs. And let's face it nowadays with loops and samples and, and technology, a lot of times it's hard to tell the a drum machine yeah. apart from an actual drummer. But back in 1988, it, the technology just wasn't there. And for them to go that route, as a heavy metal band, it just did not work. And I think Aaron, one thing you said really struck me, and that's the word potential, because I feel like this record does have potential, but it's it's yeah the guitar sounds and more than anything, the horrible drum machine throughout the record. It, it was just, I mean, what were they thinking to not use Dave Holland? I I don't. I have to go back and look at KK's book and Rob's book to see exactly why they did that, but it killed the vibe of this record. The record has not aged well, and it's it's a rough listen. Um, as far as the worst song, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like this song, Heavy Metal. I mean, that's a real bad one. I, I will stick up for Johnny Be Good. There's something about it. It's not it's not great. It's not pre-sit their best, but I, I don't think it's as bad as everyone thinks. I mean, there's a couple cool things they do with it and i mean what a bold song to cover johnny be good really (laughs) it's like i mean just a classic original rock and roll song and i I think they do okay with it i'm gonna i think i'm gonna go with yeah probably heavy metal is my least favorite there's something about it that i just don't like i feel like real drums could have potentially saved it but it just seems like a mess to me uh, hmm. as much of this record does and yeah. again potential is what aaron said and i i agree i agree with that i mean i'm always against you know re-recording and remixing records but man what what would this record have sounded like with an actual drummer playing on it i think it would have been a great improvement
2: yeah well and i think some of the some of the songs needed to be hashed out more some of the stuff sounds a little unfinished to me and like i You know, Turbo seems to get the majority of the hate of these two records, but I'll take the songs, you know, pound for pound, on Turbo over
0: this. Yeah, I agree with that too, for sure.
2: But yeah, so I mean, and that's uh, that's all they released in the '80s, and then of course they came back with Painkiller, which you know that'll be for another episode when we do the best and worst of '90s priests. So, um, but uh, Mark, it's been fun having you on. Can you, uh, you know, bring people up to speed on uh, what what you got going on, where people can find you, and talking metal and everything? Oh yeah.
1: Sure, man. We've been doing, as you guys, I think, know, Talking Metal since 2005. It's been a journey. I, I mostly do the show solo now, although John was joining me a little bit more during this whole COVID thing as we were all sitting home, which was fun to kind of reunite with him and have him back in the fold. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's been a long ride 16 years in. And we stopped playing music altogether, which has been a little bit of a downer for me. I have to admit, but it seemed like that's what we needed to do to stay on Spotify. And I mean, you guys know all all that, but uh, yeah, still talking with people I haven't spoken with, spoke with Doug Pinnock for the first time, uh, Phil Lewis for the first time in the past few weeks. So that's always fun to be able to talk with somebody I haven't spoken with in a while you can check out the Talking Metal podcast just about everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, you know, iHeart, and Blabbermouth picks up a lot of our stories, which we always appreciate. And uh, I'm on Twitter at,
2: at Talking Metal. so that's it. Nice. Busy guy. Yeah. Uh, can we expect more Mark in the minivan videos?
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I was thinking about I bought actually a new stand to hold my phone that I could, uh, you know, attach to the windshield. So who knows? Now that I have the new stand, we might. Uh, I did. I did one not long ago about Judas Priest. Actually, coincidentally.
2: Uh Aaron, any parting words?
0: No, this was a lot of fun, man, and I appreciate you guys getting together and doing this with me because it made me go back through the '80s music of Judas Priest and. Like I said, I'm listening and jamming on the 70s stuff all the time, and this gave me an excuse to really go through and fine-tune what I love about the band in that era, and there's so much here to love. I think we had a good talk today. I think this was a lot of fun, and thanks for talking Priest with me.
2: Absolutely. Likewise, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I enjoyed
1: being here, and uh, let's do it again sometime.